For Festive Fun this week, we're joined by Julie Fawcett, CEO at Nakuku and previously CEO at Cubic Hotels. Amongst many things, we talk Christmas tree farms, what hospitality can learn from retail, and why we really are all in this together. Welcome to another episode. It's the festive episode, actually. I mean, no pressure, but just to just to orientate you into what time of year it is, because it's it's hard to tell these days. Uh, carry on, Emily. Um, welcome to another episode of New Tricks, which is the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. Um, joining us for festive merriment is Julie Fawcett, who is the CEO of Nakuku. Have I pronounced that correctly? Very, very perfect. Really marvellous. Welcome, Julie. Lovely, lovely to have you here. And um, obviously, always Catherine from Paris. Why do I need to, why do I need to say that? It's foreign, isn't it? It is foreign, yeah. You, Just can't, to... you can't do lots of foreigning at the moment. So it's important to remind people that sometimes you can still foreign. We've got to get off foreign where we can. Exactly. Essentially. Good to know. I think that's quite a diversion to what we'd planned to talk about. But anyway... <laughs> You're implying that we had a plan. Oh, <laughs> we did have a plan. Julie, how are you? It's been a while. Really well, thank you. Yes, it's been quite some time. Um, but I've had a, uh, you know, I'm fine, thank you. I'm pleased to hear it. And I'm you are... Girls. How are you How are you bearing up with the new business and all? Is that going well? It's going tremendously. Oh, no surprises there, is there? Cream always rises to the top. Yeah, it is going. It's going tremendously. Um, we're nearly one. We uh, in January we'll be one. We will. Brilliant. We'll have some. We'll have some sort of party, although we won't because we'll be locked down. But um... <laughs> <laughs> you can put it Downing Street. I hear they're going to a lovely po- in COVID venue. Exactly. Exactly. It's perfectly COVID safe. Very fun. Let's not mm. let's not have a party in a, in, a, in a special special area where no laws apply. That's right. Yeah. At the Vatican. It's very exactly exactly like the Vatican. We won't have a party. We'll just have a bit of cheese, a bit of wine, mm. Zoom quiz, twins around the head. Shall I keep this on track for us, Emily? Oh, sort of. I mean, as I mentioned, it's the last one of the year, so I suspect there'll be uh, limited track keeping to. But it's fine. Tell us what you're doing now. Apart from lighting fires, please start with how quickly, how delightfully you just lit that fire. Well, I. Um, can people see this? Or no, they can just hear us. So you have to. Have to uh... Is a log burner and some logs uh, unlit at the beginning of the session? But I would say in less than a minute, that situation has been changed. It's now burning merrily in a sort of Christmassy fashion. Mm, it is. It is. And um, expertly done. Yeah, a little bit of newspaper. I can talk about which one. Other newspapers are available. I like a couple of logs done. Do you find um, particular newspapers uh, help with the kindling, provide better kindling than others? Have you tried? One I like to burn the most is the Daily Mail, but I never have one. Oh, it's so tricky. Yes. But if I if I saw a Daily Mail, I would I would just light a fire even in the middle of summer. I suspect you wouldn't be the only one. Yeah. Anyway, that's my political affiliations right out there. Form an orderly queue. What are you doing? What are you doing when you're not when you're not uh, discussing your political affiliations and lighting fires? What do you do? Oh, I'm running a new business mm. uh, called Nakuku, which is in homewares. We do do a fine line in interior design and contract work for anybody interested in working with a um, sustainable and impact focused uh, interiors brand. And Nakuku is backed by Bridges Fund Management, who were the founders of 
uh, Cubic and also the Hoxton. And they come at every investment from a twin lens. One is the normal financial returns that you expect from uh, investment, and the other is uh, social impact returns. I think we've talked about this before. And so that's what we're doing. We're building out a really exciting homewares offer. Um, uh, but we are really focused on the materials that uh, we make it from. So big, big focus on sustainability. But actually, much more interestingly, is the work we're doing around human capital and making sure that this stuff is sourced in a really cool, ethical way. But I'm not allowed to touch the product. <laughs> Why? 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 Because I'm wearing an orange jacket that looks like a jacket. <laughs> and apparently my design input is not welcome. Are you Are you creatively minded? A little bit, tiny bit, can be. Mm. A bit of pies on the weekend, for example. There you are. Did you? Yeah. And did they and did they ooze out of the little seam and go little? Oh, I didn't top them. Too much paste. Oh, mince tongue. Controversial. Controversial. Blind bake, mince meat, homemade. Done. Oh, I see no reason why they can't let you touch the product with those credentials. I agree. I agree. I feel like the next board meeting, you need to bring those to the table and say, look. That's a good idea. Let me at it. Well, the thing is, it's on Zoom, so I'll just have to eat mince pies all the way through the board meeting. What with the working from home directive and everything. Well, quite so. It needs to be a digital nomad. Like yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can't stop eating mince pies. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. People people think it's like this amazing thing where, you know, you're kind of spending half your time talking to like Jack Dorsey or something and then the rest of the time doing like snowboarding. But it's not. It's just eating mince pies at your desk and then picking the bits of mince pie out of the keyboard. But, but what is the French equivalent for mince pie? I can't think right now. Um, like a, a Yule log. Oh, yes. Yes, they like a Yule log. They have no word for mince pie, I don't believe. Do they, do they have mince, the mince meat, the sweet mince meat version in any part of their culinary delights? No? Okay. That's mystified. It's like the US, mystified by the idea of a mince pie. I know, I know. It's, what it's are you really doing there? I, 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 <laughs> Why are you there? Exactly, exactly. Well, I took some mince pies over to my aunt lives in New York uh, a couple of years ago for Christmas. And indeed, all of my cousins were like, is that like meat? Is it like mince meat? Yes, obviously. That's why I bought them. Chow down. Give it to the dog. No, they're it's not. It's for reasons. But uh, yeah, oh, yeah. They were, so, yeah, they were much confused. How, how is your French, actually, Catherine? Is it parfait? So it's not parfait bon, mais if people talk to me and it goes off piste, I can't oh. Oui, j'ai, j'ai le même problème. J'habite en France, il y a um, deux ans. Ah oh, oui, oui. Oui, oui. Et je prends le long un petit peu. Mais pas l'accent, désolé. Oui, 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 oui. oui. Mais j'ai, j'ai un, euh, un ami qui habite à, à en Britannie. Ah oui. Très bien, depuis cinq ans, mais c'est dans le nord de l'Angleterre. Doc, doc, it's like this, so it's like... <laughs> oh, is it bronze? I'm going to parle un peu de français avec un accent. Oui, yes. Parfait, that's parfait, that. Oh, je prends le risotto. Oh, lovely. Yeah. For anyone tuning in at this point, expecting some sort of hotel investment chat, I do apologise. And I'm also trying to think how we get subtitles on a podcast. Mm, well... Just don't be so racist. You can't understand people from the north, Emily. Oh, I'm there. I'm there with you. I'm there with you. 
I've, I've got an A-level in French, I love you know. There you are. Um, More than I do. Um, <laughs> or as we say here, a vidamon. <laughs> um, human capital, Julie. Why? What, what human capital things have you done? Yes, tell us. Tell us more. Well, um, it's not a question of what we've done yet, but what we are doing is we are out auditing our... So most of our products are manufactured in India, or and some in China and some in Vietnam, and we use um, smaller artisan factories um, or manufacturers. So some of them are things like... Uh, we One of our... Um, Tableware suppliers is a sort of women's collective thing, very small, really limited capacity. And um, we go out and we do a couple of things. We do some capacity building. But in the bigger factories, we also audit the supply chain, the human capital chain, all the way through, out the way out to subcontractors to make sure that there is no um, uh, hidden bad practice and that um, we are bringing this. We're, we're probably adding value as a trading partner in that country. We're not extracting value. And that's quite a detailed, quite nerdy process about how things are done, how people are paid, what's, you know, what's happening. But what's important, so we don't just go into the factory and have a pot around and sign a form. We're properly in there and we're beyond the factory, out into subcontractors and on and on. And we, and we um, audit beyond um, the, the main trading standard things that um, exist, SEDEX is the main one, um, so that we, and, and what we say is that this isn't ever done, this is a consistent, constant work in progress, we're not going to ever be the best, we're going to be the best at trying to be the best, and that's a different thing, um, because you have to remain, you, you can't just say, oh, it's done now, the supply chain's all taken care of. So that's one part of the human capital side of things, and you know, you do find things, and um, we are gearing up and it takes time to gear up to put the people on the ground who can um, build supply relationships and um, get gain trust and do that work but um, it does mean that everything that you buy from us over time and not eventually will you can buy with a clear conscience the materiality will have been taken care of the packaging will have been thought about and the and the means of production will be as um, as as ethically and correctly you know focused as it can be it sounds expensive. How do you sell it? Um, it's not actually that expensive. I mean, the cost of um, doing the work is an additional overhead, which we um, soak up. Um, means we have to work extra hard on other parts of the business. Uh, and um, asking people to do things properly is the right way of doing it. And it doesn't cost that much more to look after people. Um, so, yeah, that's okay. Do you um, – this isn't just a marketing tool. This is something – it's not a question, is it? Is this a marketing tool or <laughs> – um, Are you just really shallow? Yes. Or is this something – more embedded in the in the kind of foundations of the business um it's not a marketing tool <clears throat> it's how we operate it's the culture and the dna of the company that's what it is it's a way of doing business that um we believe uh, or investor and partners in the company believes is it actually the only way of of um for, for all of us to proceed and we can have a big conversation about you know um uh why 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 large global um 
companies are now taking ESG very seriously. Um, but in the end, it, ultimately, for the for the ecosystem of of, of the supply chain to work, we have we have to make sure that people aren't heavily exploited along the way. It's that straightforward. Keeping it keeping it simple. Um, so it's the it's the right way to do business. And if you're going if you say you're going to do it, you've got to check you're doing it. So that's where the auditing part comes in. It's not enough to say we had a little look and everything seems to be okay. It, you have to go in and, and make sure it is. Um, our our brand USP. And if you look at the type of the products, it, it's natural. It, it's very much about natural materials and um, sustainably sourced materials and recycled items. That's actually if you look into the design zeitgeist. That all makes sense as well. Look at me with the design zeitgeist. <laughs> that that's 12 bonus points at the next strategy meeting well done um yeah so basically it fits us and it will fit in with some of our marketing and some of our sort of brand stuff but the last thing we're going to do is go out and say buy from us because we're cool we do we're really like good people we're going to say buy from us because our design is amazing very good i um i was i really like the statement that you made about how this isn't this is a this is a process you're never gonna you're not gonna get to a finish line because i suspect that a lot of people approach any part of the es any of the of the e or the s or the g as a right we need to kind of rush to that to get to that bit to get a tick and then we're done um where does that philosophy come from is that where have you got where how have you got to that place of understanding that it's it's not a one and done type thing i think well i think actually you can you can look out uh, at numerous sort of pr fails where people have said we're this, we're that. New um, Brewdog would be one to you know springs to mind. Um, and there's plenty of hospitality industry who are sort of saying we're green or we're this, we're that, the other. And somebody's come in, had a little look around, you know, printed some new signs. Um, someone's written a policy, and then it's sort of gone on the back burner. And that it can't ever be like that because the world's changing, things change. It, it's not, it's not a, it's not a slice in time. So anybody who's saying this is now done and we can move on is, is isn't doing it right. And so, and, 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 and the culture and the business, people change, things change, methods change, products change, production lines change, materiality changes, technology changes. You have to be a constant. You have to move with it. You have to evolve with it. There's nobody who's ever got to the pinnacle of the mountain and said, we're perfect. May not, to go back to France. Um, um, what... Where where are the um, sort of overlapping thought processes mindset between the hospitality sector? What have you? What did you learn there that you're bringing in? What could the hospitality sector learn from what you're doing now? Let's talk about hotels for a bit. Okay. Um, so I think it's quite interesting what's happening in hospitality. In compa- so we we trade direct. About sixty percent of our business is direct to consumer. And about 40% is out through our wholesale partners. And if you look at what's happened in retail and the um, digitization of retail, so, you know, everything going online, um, I think, and what retail's had to do to adapt to that, I think we've got some really interesting parallels with the hospitality sector. What's happening now is that what we, we used to have to travel to do, we can now do online. And the hospitality sector are going to have to go probably i'm not you know are going to have to go on the same journey that retail went on what do we do with our physical infrastructure how do we adapt it change it evolve it to make it much more connected to what's what's happening the the the, the, the kind of digital environment that's happening around us and that's become a very human thing we're now talking on zoom 
um, the need for large gatherings and business travel and all the things that we used to do. I mean, um, large corporations like Intel haven't, um, haven't uh, my brother works for Intel, they have never gone back to work. They have banned business travel um, since since the beginning of lockdown and they've got no intention of changing it. So, so, so the, what, what's going to happen is I think is the, is the hospitality industry is going to have to start to learn about how to, ch- how to change and evolve in response to that world. So that's fairly obvious. The question is what? And I think, again, looking back at retail, what's, what's had to happen there is, is retail has to become much more experiential and much more integrated. And, um, and if we look at another trend that was, has been going on for a long time with the Airbnb thing, you know, you start to see actually as Airbnb is starting to homogenize itself, right? So all Airbnbs look the same these days, right? So we start to kind of understand how you bring experience, we start to understand how you bring experience into the hospitality environment. And also I think the hospitality environment has got to learn to adapt in a weak part. It's, it's also got to learn to adapt to accommodate all this digitization. Hybrid working. I mean, I only go to an office two or three times a week, even though I have a job that's office-based. I don't need to go anymore. So what does that mean for hospitality? Um, we've got a huge residentialization of the, of the real estate footprint, which is what's driving the business I'm in now. Um, what does that mean for hospitality? All those questions have got to be asked. And I'm not sure that anybody's necessarily got the answers yet, but it ain't, as far as I can see, it ain't going back to where it was. Agree. I'm not sure. And and I don't know, do we think people are, are asking them? Because from where I'm sitting, there's a lot of let's just let's just get back as soon as we can. Let's get back to what we know, because that's what our business model is, how that how our business model is set. And I'm I I am differentiating here, I think, between uh, perhaps more independent, nimble organisations and larger, not necessarily nimble chain organizations who have a vested interest in getting back to what their entire business is, is built on well 2019 was so amazing you're, no it was you're right it was amazing you're right. it was the greatest year ever so that's what we should keep in the front of our minds julie are you missing hospitality at all yeah i really miss it what do you miss about it well so i mean to be clear i really love the current world that i'm in so that's a fantastic thing i was able to step into a new environment that was um i was lucky i got you know i was lucky and i've had a really great opportunity to run a business in a, in a way that i love running a business an impact led business in a, in a quite a good growth curve at the moment so in that regard i i feel completely happy but hospitality uh there's nothing like the excitement of it and um you know, the, the program that we're on with Cubic, you know, rolling out, you know, interesting physical environments uh, uh, across Europe and, and just the excitement and the challenge of it, <clears throat> you know, I, 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 it, it won't take much to push me back there in the future. Uh, in fact, I do hope, I do hope to re- retain a connection with hospitality over time. We can just come on the podcast every week if you like. I just make stuff, make stuff up. I won't, have any, I won't have any idea what the SDR data is saying this week. It doesn't matter, and no one will really hold you accountable. You could be great. You'd be like the, the, our best commentator ever. Yeah, right. I think that could be good. Let's do this. Do it. We'll have a monthly monthly session with Julie on what's happening in the sector. What I don't miss, which I imagine is what's going on in a lot of places. Well, I mean, it's such a kind of weird polarised environment, isn't it? If you're running a boutique hotel in, you know, seaside.com, you're laughing. Whereas actually, if you're running the, what previously was the kind of, you know, darling of the hospitality world, which is sort of urban 
hotels, you're, you're, you're fighting for your business now. Your events business is gone. Your business travel is gone. Your leisure travel is not coming back in the way that it was. Um, that That's hard yards right now, fighting for the pound. That's the hard yards. And I don't miss that. That I feel very, um, you know, I feel, really feel for those guys who are having to kind of really keep the wheels on, keep moving, keep costs down, keep staff motivated, try and fill beds. Try and think about how to grow back. Try and how how to adapt their business model. Um, you know, out of the out of that ash will fly some phoenixes, I'm sure, and it will be amazing to see. But it's there's going to be a lot of people having an on a lot of fun at the moment. So you mentioned that your role takes you into the office a couple of days a week, and and we know the answer to this, but I think we need to share it with the listeners. Um, where, how how are you how are you dealing with the accommodation part of not being where where is your office based and and how are you dealing with the accommodation to get to that office? I am so glad you asked. Well, <laughs> this is you're welcome. I feel I do feel very well placed to comment on on hospitality. So, if you want me to be the expert on this particular topic, I'm absolutely there for you both. The crown is yours. Very good. So, uh, my office is based in Devon. Uh, in Dartington, which is close to Totnes, um, just at the top of the River Dart, uh, and just at the sort of it's the gateway to the South Hams, gorgeous part of the world, beautiful beaches, um, little thatch cottages, um, lovely eateries. You've got Dartmouth with its castle and its steam train, and uh, its little marina, and people coming up and down in their paddle boards. It's very, very charming. Um, where am I going with this? Anyway, that's where I work. So my office is in a beautiful part of the world. That's fabulous. Um, but um, <clears throat> what to do? Because in the winter, it's absolutely fine. Um, I can get a B&B a couple of nights a week and stay over. Uh, in the summer, disaster. Absolute disaster. Anyway, a woman of my means and standing is actually capable of buying another a second property. And, um, you know, I'm not shy of it. I've worked hard to get around today and don't mind saying it. So th- I've got choices and that's the point I need to make here. So anyway, I've been looking around in the in the local environment for um, something um, suitable for my uh, requirements. And uh, I don't know. I just can't get excited about, about the offered little flat somewhere. I just can't get excited. And then... Da, 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 da. I found it. What was it? It was a, a two-bed ensuite, both ensuite. Mm. Well, you went in there already. Yeah, park home in Devon Hills Holiday Village. Very nice, very nice. And let me tell you all its features and benefits. Please do. Okay. Share with the group. My one is new. And from its veranda... Veranda? Which has... Which has a hot tub. Oh, shush now. Shut up. Shut the front door. I can overlook the Christmas tree farm. And actually, that is something I'd like to talk about at some point is because I do, I've got a retirement project about a Christmas tree farm. So what's amazing is I can overlook a Christmas tree farm. It's beautiful. I can, you can look out over Devon Hills, just that one of them happens to be covered with Christmas trees, which is fine for this time of year. It's really appropriate. It's perfect. Um, anyway, so overlooks Christmas tree farm. Um, pretty much everything, oh, the whole thing comes fully furnished in the kind of, if you were to take everyone's taste and put it in a blender, it's that. <laughs> fully neutral, greyish. Um, I'm going to get some wild cushions. Don't you worry about that. I'm fine with that. And um, please do share us some photographic evidence of that. When that yeah, I'm going to send you a video because the little salesman sent me a video of the inside of my van. 
Static. Oh. Mm. Anyway, look, it's full of comedy gold. You basically you you live next to Jenny and Lee from Gogglebox. Um, there's a swimming pool and sauna, but the best bit, like totally the best bit, is there's arthritis classes. Oh, you learn how to have arthritis. You <laughs> do. Sweet. Do you just bounce out of there like a spring chicken every time, or in or out every time you visit? I haven't. But I haven't <clears throat> acquired it yet. It's coming in February. Oh, I see. Okay. In my mind, it's like Tiny House Nation. If people have been obsessively watching that on Netflix. No. But no, should I? I haven't. Should we? You should be because it's all about how you can like each thing in your in your house can be sixteen other different things. So like the the like the four floors have to be like storage. And then like a cooker and then somewhere else and then somewhere you can feed your dog. It's amazing. Sounds fiddly. Mm. But, but right, you did lots of, to break. It's lots of boiling of hinges. Oh, yeah. Yeah, back to the arthritis. Exactly, exactly. But anyway, the, finan- the financial position on this whole thing is absolutely amazing. I'm so delighted. I'm absolutely delighted. I've got a park home in a holiday village, three miles from Painton Zoo, on the benefit. I get arthritis classes and... Um, and what can you have to eat, Julie, if you want to? Well, and this is the main thing. That's why I've forgotten that. There's an on-site pub, Blagdenite Inn, chicken in a basket, actual chicken oh, in a basket gets served there. I just dropped the mic. You're done. Yeah. It's whole has been exposed to me as be a huge, huge mistake. You can. I'm going to invite you down. You're not far away, are you, Emily? You're, you're a... I'm, yeah, an hour. You stop me. You can't stop me. I'll be there. In fact, I think we should have a podcast from the static when it's. I think we should. I'll be on your veranda next time you turn up. <laughs> I'm going to send you a video of the inside of my static as well. So I was pondering this because there was, shockingly, there was a smidge of preparation to this podcast. Um, and we learned this revelation last week during said preparation. So then I was thinking, hold on a second, because these, these holiday homes are being snapped up by investors they can't get enough of them and i was thinking maybe this is why then because they're seeing this as a whole there's is this is this another market that that is this isn't just a you know people want to have a a holiday home this is potential uh, can we use no not digital nomad but you know flexible working this is another accommodation option you see where i'm going with this i do and actually i'll tell you there are some advantages because and one uh so stamp Nada, CGT Nada. They're all on a lease basis. Um, so leases are going out of fashion. That is a lie. Uh, everything's taken care of. It's all all maintained on site. The um, you control everything on an app, so you can get it cleaned or your hot tub done or whatever. It's all on an app. Um, if you want to have it for yourself, that's fine. If you want to hand it over, they'll let it out for you for a few weeks. Um, it's all taken care of. So, yeah, there's quite a lot of advantages and the arthritis classes. Yes. There you go. There you go. You can see why it all makes sense. Well, we wish you a very, very jolly time. Thank you. I'm so excited. And, um, yeah, there's, there's just so many wins to it. I can't, I can't even begin to describe. I'm so happy. I can well imagine. Well, bring roll on February. I'm also, but, but, but you, could you also tell us about your retirement plan and the Christmas tree farm? Because that's intriguing in itself. Oh, yeah. So, right. It's really easy. So I've done all the math. So you can grow about 1,500 Christmas trees to an acre, and they take about seven years to reach a height when anybody would want to, you know, have them properly. Jesus, um, you really have done the math. Yeah, I've done totally Have you got a spreadsheet? No, but I can do it in my head. It's fine. I'm quite mentally agile. Um, so you need about eight acres, and um, people cut a space, and then you need a Mary and Joseph barn, obviously. 
and you need to sell mulled wine over a fire and you need a little shop selling Christmas decorations and lights and all the rest of it. Anyway, basically, for one month of the year, you're working your knickers off. cutting. And people wander around, by the way, and they cut their own Christmas tree time. So you outsource all the labour and they have an experience. They pay more for it. That's the genius of it. And, um, yeah, they wander around, cut down their Christmas tree. You put it in one of the little netting things. Then you sell them some lights and some mulled wine, show them Mary and Joseph, and off they pop, 100 quid lighter. And um, you're turning tricks on those day in, day out for December. Then it's all over. And then you're back to your caravan for the next yeah. 11 months. Yeah, back into the and, and, and with that business model, you could have a caravan in every county in the UK. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I might just put one in the middle of my Christmas tree farm and just be like living the dream. In fact, you could be one of the investors that's buying the static home vat, the static home complex. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm basically Deborah Meaden. This is a foolproof plan. Mm, thanks. Many congratulations. No, I'm delighted. It's been it's been a journey for me career wise. I have to say, you know, what with the downturn and hospitality and everything, but I really feel like I found myself. No, I think so. Yeah, and long may you reign. Mm, thanks. What with all the caravan, chicken in a basket and um, retirement planning, we've we've somehow alighted at half an hour. Um, so I'm going to, I realise that you are no longer in the sector, but that's entirely irrelevant because you have been for a very long time. So I'm going to ask you some questions that we uh, ask all our guests at the end of the podcast, unless, Catherine, you have anything wise, sage or mince related to share. Sage? Hmm, no. Stuffing? No. Oh, how's the M&S? Is it shut? That's closed. Oh, sad times. So is that it? No more M&S for you in Paris? No, there is now. I found an M&S the other day um, at Châtelet, which is like this huge station where everyone changes. And there was one like an underground in a concourse, but it's one that it predominantly sells sandwiches. I do find it ironic that you're in the sort of country of great food and you want to find an M&S food hall. I want to find an M&S food hall so that I can buy stuffing because the French have no concept of stuffing. I'd also like to just at this juncture, we talk about MS a lot, make two observations. A, their cocktails in a can are freaking awesome. Um, and as we've discussed off podcast, you get very blind on them quite quickly. Um, two, I think all their sandwiches could do with being about two degrees less chilled. They're always just a smidge too cold. Hey, hey. Yes. Mm, is, it, is that the same? Someone bought me this from MS as a present. So wait. So, first feature. <gasps> I've got one of those. Right. And then it lights up. Best thing ever. Wow. Mm, they have three. What have you got? Is that the gin? Uh, no, it can't be gin. It's like cheap alcohol that makes you go blind with sugar in, as far as I can tell, and flavour. Oh, it's the MS way. It's the MS way. Mm. Anyway, look at that. It's a snow globe mm. in a bottle of something clear alcohol liquid with Christmas trees on the outside with a light that lights up and sort of. Think of everything. This guy. They really do. Um, I've also got some bubble bath that does the same thing. Lights up with press I know. It's their business plan. Right. Okay. Yes. Will your press light up when you shake them? Oh, you could do that. Do that. Um, right. When oh, this is this is sort of no longer relevant because we keep having jabs in their arm, but just bear with us. When the shutters came up and I had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I did was I cycled from Lisbon to Faro. Obviously, Ooh, toasty. Very good. Thanks. Had you been? Had you? Had you been feeling that you weren't getting your cycling experience? Travel again, and I, I feel like I was a sort of you know fit to fly pioneer. I was one of the first on a plane when we could go. 
And uh, yeah, I wanted, wanted to, you know, get out and get moving and and not be frightened and stay at home anymore. So I put a photo. And I had my jabs, so off I went. How long did it take you? Oh, not long. It takes uh, about a week. Not long. Must substantial. Well done. Well done. Very good. Um, okay, the best thing about the hotel sector is? Um, it's continued determination and resilience to look after people. Yeah, we love it. The hotel sector would be significantly improved if? This is a big answer. Go for it. We're a big podcast. We, as a as a planet, stopped buggering about and got our global vaccination program sorted out. And for the sake of this podcast, I did a little bit of math. Right? In order, if the, the cost of the Downing Street refurbishment would have vaccinated six thousand people in sub-Saharan Africa. Ah, oh, Boris. Until we sort this out on a global basis, no one's going anywhere. I had this shocking realisation myself last week when some WHO person was going, until we sort this out on a global basis, all these variants are going to keep popping up and they're going to get worse and worse and they're going to pop into your country because we all travel and so we need to sort this out. And I thought, oh, he's right, you know, oh, WHO. And about 24 hours later it hit me and I thought, oh, that's never going to happen. Because all the coming out there, crappy old vaccines that don't work properly. Exactly. Gone off a bit or <laughs> didn't really work properly in the first place and chucking them out going, yeah, no, we're donating vaccines. And they're really not. They're donating a problem further down the line. Whereas at the moment, this part of the line now, exactly this point now. Is a big answer, but it's entirely, entirely relevant and accurate. Yeah. Um... Which one did I just ask you? Oh, yes. What the industry needs now is? Innovation, probably. It needs new ideas for what to do with old buildings. It needs to rethink the buildings, and it probably needs some investment for that to happen, which is going to struggle to be forthcoming, I think. You might be right. And the final question, I'd like to think we've learned from this. Dot, dot, dot. Um, Well, it kind of comes back to the same thing, that we are... We're a global economy. Travel of all of the industries is a, is a, is a global thing. And if we want to, um, if we as a group of human beings, not the, not the industry per se, want travel to thrive and to be able to do it and to exist, we've got to work together. We've got to work collectively. And we've got to listen to science, man. We've got to listen to the science. I think the data would be a good thing to listen to because, you know, generally it's hair's done quite nicely. So Generally it's hair. Well, back to the bojo. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't, you know, baby your way out of this one. I mean, they must have induced her. They, they must have induced her, like, oh, carry it, it's a bad news day, quick, let's have a baby. I did, I, I did see a great tweet where somebody says she produces uh, children as a defence mechanism, like a squid produces all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What a role! You know they were standing at the front of the church, thinking, "Oh, for better or worse, she was she would she, she I don't know whether she had that in mind. She probably did. Who knows? Anyway, who who knows? Um, thank you for your very thank you for your time. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your insight. It was that was a very pleasurable way to spend an hour on a Monday morning. And I've enjoyed it very much too. And thank you very much for inviting me on. Even though I don't really belong in the industry anymore, it's been an always belong in the industry. You always belong in our 
Mm-hmm. Very keen to remain connected. Yes. There you go. Well, I, I think the monthly slot, you know, commentating on whatever you fancy um, is a goer. Yeah, I'm going to send you a video in a minute in the WhatsApp of my um, static van. Yes, please. Yes, please. And roll on February. Okay, roll on. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Julie. Thank you all. Thanks, Julie. Have a have a wonderful have a wonderful festive season. Enjoy your mince pies. Oh, I will. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> all the best. Take care. See you soon. Bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.